0: History makers, frauds and fakers Ladies of renown Good ones, bad ones, quite a few mad ones lived in Sydney town There were fascinating characters, convicts, barristers Servants of the Crown Con men, strong men, all the wrong men. There's a ton of them, and every one of them lived in Sydney Town. Now on afternoons,
1: Sydney Ciders with Jim Haynes. Here he is, Jim. Good afternoon. Hello, uh, Michael. Greg on the text says they won enough Oscars to fill a large microwave. Oh, to, <laughs> to continue yes. the theme, well, <laughs> very well, clear. I can understand
0: <laughs> that a large boulder sitting on the road is was actually a small boulder when it was up the mountain. Yes, so, you know, <laughs> give the guy a break.
1: Oh, <laughs> come on, He's, wasn't he? Fighters moment, but anyway, he was packing the gun, so no yep. one's going to argue with him now. Sydney Ciders, I love doing this every Thursday. Time for a little bit of our own history on afternoons, and today it's the story of Sydney Cider, George Druitt. The surname will ring a bell,
0: won't yeah, it? Yeah, and it's a fascinating story, got some really great twists and turns. Uh, Druitt Street yeah. and Mount Druitt, named after this bloke, oh, and he was uh. uh A fascinating character, but he was also a servant of the crown, as the jingle says. Um, Born in Ireland, uh, served in the 121st Regiment, right through the Napoleonic Wars, served in Egypt, Mediterranean, Italy, and in the American War. Uh, So when he arrived out here, he was a major uh, with the 48th Regiment coming to New South Wales on a troop ship. Uh So you've got a 48-year-old single bloke on a troop ship coming out to Australia, war hero, etc. Uh, now, also on that ship uh, were all the, all the men of the regiment, but there was also uh, a lady, a young lady, called Margaret Lynch, who had stowed away. And uh, she was discovered a couple of days into the voyage, and they weren't going to turn back to take her back to Ireland, where they were coming from. He was an Irish. She boat, was crazy, brave, getting on a boat uh, full of soldiers. Well, she had fallen deeply in love with Private Terence Burns, oh. and uh, she'd stowed away on the on the ship, the troop ship. And when they discovered her, they had no idea what they could do with her. There was this single eighteen-year-old girl on on the on the ship uh, because of her boyfriend. So the captain had a bit of a chat to Major Druitt and they decided that the best thing was to marry them so that, you know, that would sort of settle any, you know, Hanky panky or or whatever, mm-hmm. so they got married, and uh, this is interesting because we're going to talk about whether a captain can marry you or not, and he uh, he did, and George Druitt was the witness because he was a senior officer uh, in the of the um, regiment, uh, but not long after the marriage occurred, evidently Margaret des- decided that George Druitt was a better. Cash, oh, oh no, than Private Burns. Oh. A 42 year old major was a a bit better proposition than a 19 a year old private, and she spent most of the voyage in uh, George Druitt's cabin. And when they arrived in Sydney, um, she went and lived with him, had eight children by him. Eventually, they did marry in 1825, but um. P- poor old Private Burns. He only lasted a year in the colony. What he left broken hearted, but he did fire a shot through the window of of uh, of the bar- of George Druitt's home oh. in George Street near the barracks. I don't know why he wasn't court-martialed for it. Maybe he was. I don't know. He just goes home broken hearted. And that leaves Margaret living with George. And he, he was a very important figure. He was an inspector of public works. He supervised the the construction of St. James Church, the mm-hmm. government stables, the, all the things that, Matthew, uh, that Greenaway built um, were actually supervised by him. And he was in charge of the dockyard, the artillery, the quartermaster's store. Uh, he got into trouble from running things at for a private gain. Now, I'm going to introduce you to a word here, Michael, called peculation.
1: Peculation. Have you
0: ever peculated? When I was a teacher, I probably peculated a couple of pens and pencils from the government stores and took them home for my private use <laughs> because peculation is the wrongful appropriation and embezzlement of shared or public property by a person entrusted with the guardianship of that property. I love that. Don't- peculation. peculation. I think right. it's just... Public service corruption, isn't it? I was going to say, is that what they do with their taxes. <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, he he did get into a bit of trouble. He supported Macquarie, who believed that convicts, once they'd served their time, the emancipists should be allowed to be normal citizens, and that that brought him into conflict with some of the other people. So um, he he was uh, given an awful lot of land, his his property, which was uh, out at Mount Druitt, obviously, uh, was was quite a a wonderful one. It it had a great big driveway and Mm -hmm. thousands of acres out there. Um, And the house was, uh, uh, let me tell you, the gatehouse on the property stood near the corner of Nelson Street and Great Western Highway today. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a carriageway bordered by flowers leading to a, large family residence, drawing room, dining room, two parlours, five bedrooms, the kitchen at the back and then beyond the kitchen at the back, which they never put the kitchens in the house because of fire Fire, in those days, um, was the servants' quarters and past the servants' quarters was another um, barracks for 50 convict labourers who he had the the use of for absolutely nothing. Um, And uh, he got into trouble when the governors changed as people often did, and they um, tried to take all his land off him because he peculated, um, and he went back to London and defended himself. He uh, didn't uh, bump back into Lynch in London, did he? Uh, uh, no, I don't, I don't know what happened to poor old private Lonely Lynch. Lonely arts club. He, he was sobbing <laughs> into his hanky somewhere. Uh, anyway, um, eventually, it, it, this is a, you know, a long time, They his... Land was confirmed to be his uh, many, many years later in, I think it was 1837. So they were dealing with that. Now, the other wonderful part of his story is that after uh, he passed away, uh, his wife passed away just before him. Uh, she was 44 and he was 68 when they passed away. Uh, two of the children, four of the children survived into adulthood and two of them went to London to claim their father's quite a substantial Irish property mm-hmm. uh, after his death. And they met his brother who said, you're illegitimate. I have proof that... Uh, your mother married somebody else on the ship on the way out it was a bigamous marriage and I'm not you're not getting anything oh. So the two daughters rushed back home to Australia to protect the all the stuff that they'd inherited here, they didn't want the brother getting his hands on that. So, How about that? interesting. Story. So, word and, got back to London yep, via Lynch that he'd been robbed. Ab- absolutely, and his brother used it to to keep all the land that the the daughters thought they were going to get. Uh, a, a ship's captain, by the way, does not have any power to marry you. Uh, I've checked this out. Well, hang on, I, I, I watched the love boat here. All day. Oh, yes, didn't that happen? The, uh, no, they uh, hmm. only only under Maltese law which is now recognised in the EU, incidentally, can captains marry people in international waters at sea. So whether the marriage was legitimate or not, it had a huge effect on the the family for generations. Captain uh, Major drew it. If only they had a Maltese captain at the time. Well, yeah, they didn't, and um, I, I, I just love the idea of the young Irish girl who is madly, it's a great in love, story, in madly in love with a private, and then sees the major and says, "Oh, gee, I made a blue there." Yeah, anyway. it's true,
1: mind you, that that house at. That they obviously had at Mount Druitt. I take it that property no longer exists. Uh, I assume not. I assume
0: not. I don't think there's a huge uh, colonial property on the corner of the Great Western (laughs) 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 Highway and. Not that I've seen. No, but (laughs) it could be lost. All right. So that's the story of of
1: Druitt. Hence where we get Druitt Street and Mount Druitt. And Mount Druitt. Yep. What a story. Major George. Major George and <laughs> minor Lynch, by the sound of things. It's a great Australian, a great Sydney story. Thank you, Jim. A pleasure. We'll have another Sydney Sider for you same time next week.